0: Today is the conclusion of a four-part series called The Four Circles, and we've talked about where we're supposed to be a witness, locally, regionally, uh, people near us that are different from us, and internationally, around the world. So I want to tell you that today I led with a joke because it's kind of a serious message. So I wanted to get you laughing up front so you can endure the rest of it. But it's something that you're going to want to hear because it's going to remind us of why we are here. Acts chapter 1 is the text that we're using for this series, Acts chapter 1, verse 6. They're going to put it on the screen for you. And this is a conversation Jesus is having with his disciples. They say to him, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he answered and said to them, verse 7, It's not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but... Which is a conjunction, right? Conjunction, junction, what's your function? It adds things together. But... I liked it up on the confidence monitor. What happened? It went away. Can I have it back? That was awesome. I don't know how you did that, but it, I like it. Yeah, there you go. But you shall receive power when? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, he was talking to people that already had the Holy Spirit in them because he breathed on them and said, oh, Receive the Holy Spirit. I don't know if he breathed like that or if he whoosh, Benny him I don't know how he did it. But he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And they believed that he was raised from the dead because they were standing there talking to him. So the Holy Spirit was in them, but he said, but the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and you're going to receive power to be something, not power to do something. Can I just tell you that the secret of Christianity is not in doing, it's in being. It's not in what you do, it's in what Jesus did And it's what he causes us to be because of what he did. When you put your faith in what Christ did for you that you could not do for yourself, it transforms you into a new creature and it causes you to be something that you never were before and something that you couldn't be without his spirit in and on your life. He says, I'm going to give you power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be witnesses to me in four circles, Jerusalem, Judea. Samaria, we talked about that last Sunday. We said that we shared the story of the Good Samaritan. Remember that? If not, go online and watch it in our archives on the website. But we discovered that locked inside of that parable is a prophetic code that God put, Jesus put in there that was time released, and it's time for it to be released. It's not just a story about how we should do good to those that are near us, that are different from us whether it's culturally, ethnically, religiously, socioeconomically. We should do good to those that are near us, that are different from us. But there's also a code inside that parable where Jesus is giving us a clue as to when he's coming. The Good Samaritan gave the innkeeper two days' wages and said, When I come again, not if, but when. How I many of Jesus is coming soon. When I come again, any more you've spent? I'll reimburse you. Jesus knew the pastor was going to blow the budget. So he said, whatever more you spend, I'll take care of it. So if Jesus was born around 4 to 8 BC, we think he was born around 4 BC, and he lived 33 and a half years, then he died somewhere between 26 and 30 AD, and 2,000 years after that is 2026 to 2030-ish. So we don't know exactly when Jesus is coming, but... We do know it's soon. Say, ah, oh, Pastor, I've heard that my whole life that Jesus is coming soon. Well, it just got sooner. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, people have been saying for hundred years this is the these are the last days. Well, if nothing else, it's your last days. What you gonna do with them? Say, I don't believe Jesus is coming. Well, that doesn't stop him from saddling his horse. Yeah. He coming anyway. All right. So we discovered that the four circles are Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. And by the way, we do support ministries that evangelize Jerusalem and Israel because they're still God's people. And we pray for them, and part of the giving that you give goes to support missions work to Israel. So I don't know if you knew that, but you are blessing Israel, and and that's part of why God is blessing you. So, uh, in fact, when we started supporting that ministry to Israel our church finances improved immediately. So you know, with my lightning fast mind, I said, let's double that. Yeah. Let's give them some more. So Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth globally. So there are about 7.5 billion with B people on the earth. Only about 2.5 billion claim Christianity, and so that lets us know that there are about 5 billion people on earth that don't know Jesus. Half of those 5 billion have never heard the name of Jesus. They have no gospel witness, none. I was in a village in central India years ago, and they said, hey, why are you here? And you're a foreigner. What are you doing way out here? And I said, I came to tell you about Jesus Christ. And They said, Oh, yay! Isn't that that American soft drink? <laughs> I said, No, that's Coca-Cola. I'm here to tell you about Jesus Christ. I said, Oh, we don't we don't know what that is. There's another man, old man, in another village I went to some years ago, and he was sitting on the front steps out in front of his little home, and and I. Uh, I said, namaste, Uncle G, keseho, kya He said, which is basically, what's up? How you doing? What's going on? And he said, I'm good. And he smiled. And he said, why are you here? Who are you? Why are you here? I said, I came to tell you about Jesus Christ. Do you know him? And he said, what factory does he work at? I might know him. Now, there are 2.5 billion people like him who've never heard his name, don't know who he is. And those are the people I want to talk to you about today, the five billion who don't know him, because they are why we are here. Let me give you a little perspective. First of all, I think heaven reacts to that fact that there are billions who don't know Jesus. In April 2011, a few years back, there were some tornadoes that came through. Alabama, and 239 people died. Now, if we were to line those 239 people up chest to back in a single file line, we could line them up from my pulpit to the back of the room, back again, and maybe one more time. gives you a little perspective. September 11th, 2001, 9-11, 2,996 people died in the terrorist attacks. Now if we lined those people up chest to back, it would be about a half mile long. That's from here down the service road to about the Old Regions Bank building, if you know where that is. And the whole world reacted to those almost 3,000 murders. In 2004, there was a massive tsunami that struck Southeast Asia and instantly 250,000 people were swept into eternity. Most of them without Christ. If we line them up. Chest to back. Single foul line. That would be a line 47 miles long. It's Jesus calling. Tell him I'll call him back later. (laughs) Or maybe it's your calling calling. (laughs) 47 miles long. That's from here to about Biloxi. To give you a little perspective. Now. How long of a line would 5 billion people be? Chest to back. If we, if we started them here at Harvest Church and we headed west, you would line them up all the way to California. But then you'd have to build a bridge from California all the way to Tokyo, Japan. But that wouldn't be long enough. You'd have to march them all the way chest to back, single file, all the way through Southern parts of Asia, through the stand countries, through the middle, all the way to North Africa. But then you have to build a bridge from North Africa back to New York City, and then all the way back down right here in Mobile. Not just one time, not just two times. How many times do you think? Five? Ten wouldn't be enough, twenty wouldn't be enough. 37 times around, chest to back. Now, I'm being honest with you. I don't think about that every day, but God does. I think about stuff like, my gas tank is low. How many messages do I have in my inbox? How was the offering Sunday? Who's going to buy groceries, me or my wife? Probably me again. (laughs) I think about stuff like that. But do you believe that every day, every moment of every day, that's what's on God's mind? Are those 37 plus lines around the globe of people who are marching Christless into eternity? John chapter 4 verse 27, we see where Jesus says, hey... Let's go somewhere, but let's go through Samaria. And the disciples are like, oh, no, Jesus, let's don't go through there. That, that's the wrong side of the tracks. Those people aren't like us. Let's go around. It'd be a little longer, but it'd be, trust me, it'd be worth it to go around Samaria. And Jesus said, no, I must go through Samaria. So they go through Samaria, and the disciples say, Jesus, we're going to make a quick lunch run. We're headed to Firehouse Subs. You want anything? <laughs> yes, hold the ham. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> And there he is when they come back and they are astonished to see him, not just talking to a Samaritan, but to a Samaritan woman. It was really bad back then. And Jesus, he says to her, hey, mama, how about a drink of water? And she's like, what are you talking to me for? You Jews don't like us Samaritans. You never talk to us unless you want something, obviously. And Jesus said, well, if you knew who I was, you would ask me. And I'd give you living water, and you'd never thirst again. She's like, really? How are you going to get that, big boy? You don't even have anything to draw with. He said, because I am the well of life. I'll give you living water, and you'll never thirst again. She's like, I want that. He said, I'll tell you what. Go call your husband. Bring him back. We'll talk about it. She goes, oh, I'm not married. He says, I know. In fact, you've been married five times and the guy you're shacking up with now you're not even married to him and she said I perceive that thou art a prophet (laughs) and the Bible says she was overwhelmed by his love his acceptance and she believed in him and on him So much so that she went and she told the whole town, you got to come meet this guy. He knows everything about me and loves me anyway. And they were like, he knows everything? Because we know you, girl. Everything. And he loves me anyway. And maybe they thought, wow, if he knows everything about you and loves you, maybe he'll love me too. The disciples came back and they were shocked to see him talking to her. And they were like, hey, boss, uh, how about you, you know, stop talking to that Samaritan woman and you know, let's go get something to eat. He's like, no, 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 I have food that you don't even know about. And they're like, we told you we were going to get some food and you called Uber Eats and without us? And he's like, no, 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 my food is to do the will of him who sent me. They're like... I don't don't understand. And by the way, why are you talking to this woman? And she's got a bad reputation, and she culturally and ethnically, she's not like us. And he said, no, 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 guys. You don't understand. She just believed on me. She just accepted me. I love her, and she accepted that love. Because how many know that Jesus doesn't... Can you imagine this woman? She obviously doesn't know how to do relationships, She's five times divorced, and now she's living with a guy. And Jesus said, I, look, I'm going to help you get past all that hurt and pain. I'm going to love and accept you anyway. I'm going to teach you how to have life and life more abundantly. I'm going to satisfy that thirst that you're trying to satisfy, but you can't. You keep looking for it in a man, and obviously a man's not going to do it for you. Now you've met the man, Christ Jesus. I'm going to give you water, and you'll never thirst again. She's like, I, I am all in. I, what do I text? My next step, two, three, one, nine, nine, six. I'm <laughs> Sign me up. Yes. And the disciples, they, they just couldn't get it, though. They're like, they couldn't, they couldn't see it. And then Jesus says something astounding. He says, there's something that I'm passionate about that you guys don't get. Not just her, but there's going to be 37 lines of people around the globe that need the same love. And that's what I want you to open your eyes and see. And then he says, verse 35 to them. He says, do not say there are still four months and then the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes. Everybody say -lift lift up. We've heard of getting things lifted. Jesus wants to give you an eye lift. Lift up your eyes and look at the fields. I think just about the time Jesus said that. Here comes that lady cresting over the hill with the whole city behind her coming to see this man who knew everything about her and loved her anyway. He said, don't say, not right now. Look, the harvest is ready now. Lift up your eyes and look. The harvest is ripe. How many of you wear glasses? Anybody wear glasses? How many of you are nearsighted? Anybody nearsighted? What does that mean? That means... You can see the stuff that's near, right? So in the church and in this story, his disciples had a case of nearsightedness. Meaning, they could see the stuff right in front of them, but to see the stuff out beyond, far away, they had to have glasses. And I think we spiritually have a similar condition where we can see the stuff right in front of us, but if they're on the periphery or if they're in the distance, it's all blurry. I had a strange thing happen to me a few weeks ago. I woke up one morning, and uh, I was trying to, to read, and I was like, man, what is wrong with this? Something must be wrong with my iPhone. Everything's blurry. And My wife got me a gift. And it was some cool little readers, you know, from the, the lowest power re- that you can get. Because I don't really need them. <laughs> but something magical happened. When I, and I'm like, honey, I don't need those. She goes, just put them on. I'm, I said, all right. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. <laughs> and I think sometimes we're in denial that we have some issues with our vision, but the Lord's offering us some glasses, he wants us to put them on because there's some stuff that we need, he needs us to see that we can't see on our own, unless we have supernatural vision, there's a pair of glasses I want you to put on today. Because I know you can see the stuff that's real close. And I, and I know some of you, you have marriage issues. You're like, Pastor, you want me to think about people that are going to hell? 37 mi- lines of people around the globe. My, my, my spouse is crazy. <laughs> or you want me to, to think about people dying and going to hell? And my kids, they don't act right. Or we got financial, we're trying to pay the rent, man. Or, or I'm believing God to cure me of this ailment. I, I, I can see this stuff Right here in front of me. I can't, I can't look. lift up my eyes and look and see. But, but can I just... Listen, y'all, y'all know me. You know my heart. Yes, we are guilty as, as, as accused that we are a health and wealth gospel church. Because it's a lot better than a poverty and sickness gospel church. But the reason that I'm trying to tell you that Jesus came to redeem you from poverty and to redeem you from sickness is so that you can be healthy enough to go tell somebody the good news and wealthy enough to afford to get there. We don't believe in health and wealth just so we can ride around in Bentleys and fly in our G6 airplanes or whatever. But if it takes that to to reach people with the gospel, so be it. But I'm telling you maybe the key to your breakthrough, maybe the key to your messed up marriage and your crazy kids and your health problem is to lift up your eyes and look beyond those things that are just near you to those things and those people that are just beyond where you can see where it's all blurry. You'll put his eyes on, his glasses on and see just for a minute with me today, the 37 lines of people around the globe that don't Know him. I mean, why would he give you a financial breakthrough when you don't even know what to do with it? Trying to believe God to meet your needs, and he's asking you to believe him for nations. Luke chapter 15, verse 1, tells a story where. All the tax collectors and the sinners. Those were the people that nobody liked. They drew near to him to hear him. I think that, I think it's a great testimony, a commentary about whether we really know God or not, depending on who's drawn to us. And it says that the tax collectors and the sinners were drawn to him. They wanted to hear what he had to say, but the Pharisees and the scribes, the church people, the religious people, in other words, they murmured and they complained, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. That was their accusation against him. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 and go into the wilderness and go after the one which he's... Lost until he finds it. How long does he go after it? Is it a 30 day expiration date? Is it 90 days? Or is it, hey, I'm going to give you seven years and after that you're on your own? No, he goes after the lost sheep for how long? Until he finds that lost sheep. He will spend whatever resources must be spent to find that which is lost. That takes wealth. And when he's found it, he lays the sheep on his shoulders, rejoicing. Notice that he didn't, when he found found the sheep, he didn't kick it and say, You stupid sheep, what's wrong with you, man? How long I've been out here looking for you, you're killing me, man. You're killing me. All right, if you keep up, let's go back to the house. That's not what he said. He reached down. Picked up the sheep, put it on his own shoulders, rejoicing. He was happy. I don't know about you, but I, I would venture to say that most of us in here, most of us watching online, have been at one time that sheep. And I'm a pastor, so I know this, and, and Jesus is the good shepherd. He knows this that sheep happens. Trying to go out of town Wednesday to a, a conference, and on my way out of town, I, I had to go to a ho- hospital because sheep happened. I had to go visit somebody, and, and as it turned out, it was a, a miracle happened. It was amazing. And so I, I love sheep. There's a supernatural love in my heart for you because I'm a pastor. And trust me when I say, I didn't choose to be a pastor, I didn't decide to be a pastor, I tried not to be a pastor. But my boss told me to be a pastor, specifically right here. And I love sheep. It's so, so fluffy. <laughs> I do. I, I, I love it. It's a, it's, a, it's a miracle. It's a God thing. And sometimes sheep are inconvenient. They get lost. And it takes a lot of resources to go find them. Oh, and let me just say, I, this is in my notes. Let me just say this. If if you're if you're watching this online, and you used to come to church here, and you, you you got hurt intentionally, accidentally, and and you want to come back, please know you are more than welcome. I don't care what happened. I don't care who you are. I don't care if it was your fault, our fault, everybody's fault. We'll forget. We'll forget it even happened. It's just if you want to come home, come home. We don't hold anything against you and don't hold anything against us. We love you. I'm sorry that you got hurt. And I just felt led to say that. I didn't say that in the first service, but if you're watching, the sheep happens. Come home, okay? All right. Because we miss you. We miss you. And I cry more over the ones that get lost or that leave or that wander than anybody else because I'm a pastor. Pastors, shepherds care about their sheep. And Jesus is the chief shepherd. And he cares about those five billion that don't know him. And he's asking us if we would be able to put his glasses on and look and see. So, when he gets home, when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors. That's a small group. And he says to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep. Which was lost, verse 7. And I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. What did the religious people mutter and complain about? This man receives sinners and eats with them. Three focuses I want us to have today. Three things I want us to see, okay? The right view of people, the right view of the problem, and finally, the right view of the solution. I'll say them again. Number one, the right view of people. Like my my pastor Pentu friend, who is one of my spiritual sons, and we trained him to be a church planner years ago, and he lives on the India Bangladesh border amongst the largest unreached people group on the planet today, the Bengali people. And he said, I don't know if I can, I can't reach all these people, but I can reach some of them. So he planted a church. And then he found another place, and he planted another one. And then he went nearby, and planted another church, and and another one, and another one, and another one. And another one, and another one, and another one, and another one. The man pastors 10 churches. Why? Because the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And that's why I believe God put me on this planet, is to train laborers. I don't know who you think you are, but you're a laborer. And it's harvest time. Jesus is coming sooner than we all think. It's like the little boy on the beach, and all the tide washed up hundreds of thousands of starfish. It was a phenomenon. And they were dying on the beach, so he was picking them up one by one and throwing them back in the ocean, and an old man came up to him and said, Son, you're wasting your time. You can't save all these starfish. He looked down and grabbed one. and goes, I can save this one. He threw it back in. The old man started helping him. I don't know how many people we can reach, Harvest Church, but let's reach as many as we can. I know you have issues and problems, but can we reach beyond that? Because when your breakthrough comes, when you help somebody else have a breakthrough, we got to have the right view of people, like Pastor Pintu. When I was a little boy, I grew up in a church when I was younger that if you smelled like cigarette smoke, you got talked about. Years ago, I had, um, years ago, I had a former member of our church got really upset with me. He came to me and said, Pastor, before I come in these doors on Sundays, I, you know how many cigarette butts I pick up in the parking lot? You need to do something about that. So I did. I bought a giant ashtray, and I put it by the front door. And it's still out there because I want people who smell like smoke to come to this church and not get talked about. And I want people who struggle with adultery to come to my church. I mean, if you're not currently struggling, I don't hope you do, but I mean those who, you know what I'm saying, okay, clarify that. I want people who struggle with addiction to come to my church. I want people that have problems to come to our church and nobody to mutter or complain about it. But to love them anyway, just like that woman at the well. To love them in such a way that it lifts them up out of their issues and out of their problems. And transforms them with the love of God, just like you and I have been transformed. We love them just the way they are, but we also love them enough not to let them stay that way. Not in a condemning way, in an empowering way. That's the right view of people. That's what these glasses help us see. we got to have the right view of the problem. Often in church, we get asked the question, what can I pray with you about today? And that's great. We're going to do that at the end of the service today. If you need prayer, please come. We're going to pray for you. But the pro- real problem is not your prayer request. It's the 37 lines of people that s- surround the globe that don't know Jesus. That's the real problem. And if you would make that more him and that more of your focus, I think your problems would begin to disintegrate at a rapid speed of rapid rate. It's like... One of our Bible school grads in India, she lives up in northeast India, and she noticed that the elderly people in her community were suffering, they, they didn't have food, and they were dying. And so she, out of her own pocket, began to buy them food and gather them together in a home and build beds for them. And she began to feed them and share the gospel with them. It was so powerful that the state government saw what she was doing, and they started funding her partially. And now dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of elderly people have, in their twilight years, accepted Christ, died, and gone to heaven, but lived their final days with dignity. Because she has the right view of the problem. Not her own problem. She's a single woman. But she got past her own issues and started helping other people. That's the right view of the problem. The right view of the solution. Jesus left to search to find the lost sheep. Then he celebrated. I'm going to read it again because I want you to hear the key words. Jesus, he left. I'm so proud of all the... Small group attendees who, small group participants who came together yesterday, had coffee and donuts here at the church, and then they left. And they went and they invited 2,500 families in our city to come to church on Easter next week. They left. Thank you for doing that. Thank you. I think Jesus thanks you. Jesus left to search, to find the lost sheep. And then celebrate. So we got some money that needs to, to leave here too. Not just people, but to go search. We got, we're got we going to receive the Easter offering next week. It's an annual offering that we do. It's where we give above and beyond our tithes and offerings. I'm telling you about it now because next week I'm not going to talk about it. I'm just going to say, hey, it's time to receive our offering. Those of you who brought an above and beyond offering for the Easter offering, go ahead and put that in. You can select that on the text to give. And it's also, we're going to have a special Easter offering envelope. But half of that offering we're going to give to our missions project in India where we bought the land and now we're three acres and we're building a wall around that. We're going to build an orphanage, Bible school, and local church. And so half the money is going to go towards that. And then the other half we're going to reseal and restripe our parking lot here at Harvest Church. And then the, the what's left we're going to use for a local outreach here, right here in Mobile. So that's what the Easter offering is going for. I'm really excited about it. Some of you have already given to it. Thank you. But Jesus, when he brought the lost sheep home, he celebrated. And next week, people are going to get saved. And we're going to celebrate because the week after Easter is going to be our water baptism service. So if you need to be baptized. Or if you're... If you bring somebody who gets born again, bring them back the next week so they can be water baptized, so that we can celebrate with them. Because water baptism, it is—it's a celebration when people come up out of the water. It's time to celebrate. So there's never a greater time to bring people to church than Christmas and Easter. Eighty-two percent of people said they would come to church if they were given an invitation to come to church. Sorry, but if you'll excuse me, something terrible has just happened. Something terrible has just happened. While we've been sitting in this service, enjoying the air condition, hearing the good news, over 6,000 people around the world have died. Did you know that 40% of them have never heard the gospel? That means 42 people a minute are dying and populating hell. How many of those people did you know? How many of those people did you work with, go to school with, live next door to? How many of them were you related to? How many of them checked you out at the grocery store or worked in the cubicle caddy corner from you? You see, it's not just enough to know that we have to tell. We have to tell. Scripture tells us that if we will tell, people will listen, they will hear. 82% of people say that if they were invited to church, they would come. Something terrible has happened, but we can change those statistics. We have a part to play, and by a simple, kind invitation, we can literally change the landscape of eternity and the demographics of heaven. Let's make it hard to go to hell for mobile, but we've got to invite people. We have to bring people. It's a matter of life and death. So here's my call to action for you today. Will you invite somebody? We're not asking you to hang on a cross. We're just asking you to help us tell people that somebody already did it for them. A couple of ideas. On your way out today we have some Harvest Church yard signs. Take one, stick it in your yard just to get people thinking about God and church. We have a few extra door hangers left. Take them and and invite them. Uh, Put them on your neighbor's doors. Grab a yard sign. If you don't get this or grab the door hangers just give somebody a personal invitation invite them to come 82% chance says that they will now one last verse before we go today 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 18 so we fix our eyes not on what is seen but on what is unseen see there's your special glasses that the holy spirit's trying to give you today for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen, that's eternal. Say, I want to go to a church that has its eyes fixed. If somebody asks you, hey, what, was, what happened at church this week? You say, I, I got my eyes fixed. Well, how come you still got glasses on? No, well, no, no, I got my eyes fixed. I can see like God sees now. Not just my problems in my life and things near me, but I see those that are far from God. I see them. Jesus said, lift up your eyes and see. The harvest is ripe. And it's right around us. 85% approximately of our city doesn't go to church. They will hear, will you tell. Grab a yard sign. Grab some door hangers on your way out. Grab some church invites. Would you let me pray for you today? Before you bow your heads, I want to show you something. Would you just hold your hands out like this, like you're receiving a big gift? Because you are. You're asking for a big gift. And he gives to everyone who asks. Would you bow your heads with me today? Father, in Jesus' name, we are asking, would you fill us with your spirit fresh and new? Would you let your spirit come upon us and give us that boldness that we need? That courage we need to invite someone to church. Lead us to the right people, the people who need it most, the people who look like they have it all together, but they have a spiritual ache in their heart, the people who look messed up. All kinds of people of every race, every color, every creed in our city that those that don't know you, or maybe those who've heard about you but have never met you. Would you give us that boldness I'm asking on behalf, on all of our behalf today. Would you fill us with your spirit in the name of Jesus. If you'd keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. If you're here today or watching us online and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. You're the reason we do all this. God loves you so much. He made all this happen for you. You're not here by accident today. I'm going to pray the prayer of salvation. And if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, and you want me to include you in this prayer, first of all, I want you to know I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you stand up or shine a light on you or anything like that. But if you want me to include you in this prayer, would you just let me know who you are by slipping your hand up? Let me see Got Gotcha. God bless you. One, two, three. Anybody else? Four, five. God bless you. Six awesome anybody else seven God bless you that's awesome eight if you raised your hand or should have raised your hand or if you're watching this online would you pray this prayer with us right now come on harvest church let's pray with all these folks that raise their hands say it with me today say dear heavenly father I repent of my sin I'm asking you to forgive me I believe in my heart you died on the cross for my sin They buried you. But on the third day, I believe God raised you from the dead. Raise me from the dead right now. Jesus, you are my Lord. From this day forward, I may not be perfect, but I'm perfectly yours. Now fill me with your spirit. Give me power to live this new life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, we believe you were just born again. We rejoice with you. I'm so happy right now.